Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, June 9th. Well, we'll kick off with today's announcement from the Calgary Stampede that this year's edition will include a parade. We get some details on what it's going to look like and what else we can expect this year from Steve McDonough, Stampede President and Chairman of the Board of Directors. Next, it's another edition of Ask the Doctor, focusing on COVID-19 questions sent in by you, the listener. As always, we are joined by Dr. Craig Janney, infectious disease specialist with the University of Calgary. As restaurants look forward to a more normal business flow starting tomorrow when we move into stage two of the reopening, some are finding it hard to fill vacant staffing positions. So we talk about the challenges facing restaurants with Ernie Sue, who's a board member of the Alberta Hospitality Association and the owner of Trolley 5. And finally, Calgary gymnast and Olympian Kyle Schufelt is releasing his first book. We flip through the pages of Make It Happen with Kyle himself. Get your cowboy boots ready. The 2021 Calgary Stampede Parade is a go. The announcement was made just minutes ago. It will be at Stampede Park with no spectators and carried exclusively by Global TV. With more on the decision, we're joined by Stampede President Steve McDonough. Good morning to you, Steve. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Good. Well, this is uh, certainly good news coming out this morning. So tell us about how you you and the organization uh, came to this decision. Well, the Stampede has been planning since uh, the final day of of last year's Stampede, if you will, uh, on how we would safely put on a Calgary Stampede. Uh, We've been following protocols, leading protocols, and uh, uh, we've come to the decision that this year we would put an on-park TV broadcast parade, uh, which will be safe and fun, and uh, we should bring bring some... some some stampede spirit to the city and our community. Steve, without spectators, obviously that keeps us safe at home watching on TV on Global, but what about the people involved in the actual parade down on Park? What steps are being followed to make sure that they are safe? Uh, we're we're going to be following all of the uh, safety protocols that are in place at the time, of course, and uh, um, most of us are on horseback or keeping our distance. Uh, there's a lot of room on Stampede Park. We've got over 200 acres uh, that we'll be utilizing through that parade. So that's a good start. Over the past few weeks, we've heard more details kind of trickling out as, to far, uh, as far as what the 2021 edition would look like. Now we've got some clarity on the parade. Can you give us further details of what the Stampede Park itself uh, might look like uh, come Stampede? Uh, you know, any finer details? Well, as I mentioned, there's uh, 200 acres on park. We are uh, not looking to set any attendance records at, at this year's Stampede. Uh, we will be uh, uh, fewer rides uh, at the Midway, but all your favorites will be there. Um, we are cutting off. Uh, there's pinch points where uh, pedestrians might be walking through and our guests, uh, so we've eliminated those. And, and they will be ongoing. We're, we're adjusting our protocol uh, based on uh, the stages that will be in place at the time. And uh, we are just monitoring that every day. Steve, I'm sure it is no surprise to you that there's been quite a bit of backlash from the public about the fact that Stampede is even attempting to go ahead this year with still the restrictions in place. So what is your response to that? Well, it, it, this uh, this pandemic has been rough for us and our community, and uh, people are going to uh, acclimatize and and come out where when they're comfortable. And we absolutely uh, res- respect that and appreciate that that uh, everyone's going to have their own degree of of, uh, 
of uh, safety and security in mind. Uh, But with the planning of the stampede, we are absolutely taking into account all the protocols. We'll be leading it. We know that we are the first out uh, in, in the country, and we take our responsibility very seriously. I'm wondering, because we'd heard, and if you can give us confirmation, that Nashville North, for example, would be open. And if that is the case, are, is there going to be alcohol served? And are there going to be time limits? How does something like that look in 2021? Uh, with respect to Nashville North and any of our, our events, uh, capacity and uh, I believe uh, what AHS and, AH, uh, and Alberta Health are saying is that um, anything with alcohol, we will be monitoring. Uh, it will be contained um, in terms of time limits. I don't think that's, uh, that's what we're about, but um, just making sure that people are likely more seated than standing. But again, we're... You know, we're a month out from the stampede and things change, so we'll be changing along with it. Um, uh, well, peop- well, we're expecting with phase three that uh, limit limits will be taken off. That's not what we're planning for. We are planning a, a reduced uh, capacity stampede with, uh, with increased uh, safety protocol. Thanks so much for the update, Steve. Appreciate it. Uh, nice to talk to you. Thanks, Damien. Great, great to chat with you. Thank you so okay. much. That's Steve McDonough, Stampede President and Chairman of the Board of Directors. We've done it right through the pandemic, posing your COVID-related questions to our expert, and we continue with that this morning. We say good morning to Dr. Craig Janney, Associate Professor in the Department of Microbiology, Immunology, and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary. Good morning, Dr. Janney. Good morning. A never a shortage of questions, so let us begin. Uh, this one yesterday, uh, Dr. Fauci says a texter, yesterday warning about the severity of this new Delta variant and the limited efficacy of a single dose of vaccine. So your thoughts on this? Yes, no, this is a good point, and this is something that we do have to be concerned about here in Alberta, given that Delta is here, and although we're seeing fantastic vaccine rollout for those first shots, we really need people to, to, to step up and get their second shot when it's open to them. A one-dose vaccine does offer some protection, although it is much lower, so about 30% protection against infection. The good news is even that one dose helps protect against things like hospitalization or ICU, so you, you may get sick but you're going to get less sick with one dose. If you get both doses, that protection shoots up to over 80%. So really good protection still if you get fully vaccinated, but there is a little bit of gray area after the first shot that we still have to be pretty careful with some of these variants. Also, you know, there's been some some words, and this is from a University of Guelph doctor about the vaccines themselves. Uh, Dr. Janney, mm-hmm. uh, they're saying that vaccines produce a toxin. It gets in the blood and accumulates in the spleen, bone marrow, liver, adrenal glands and ovaries. Even heart problems and neurological damage could be a result of the vaccines. What do you say about a claim like that? Well, I think the simplest is to point to the real world evidence that we now have administered uh, between one and two billion shots of these vaccines. So these are the mRNA vaccines that that this is specifically referring to. And we simply don't see those. So some of these uh, claims, some of these these ideas are hypotheses. So proposals, ideas driven by work in things such as Petri dishes. So we infect a cell in a Petri dish and we measure what's in. We know for a fact that that does not always reflect what's in the body. And for example, we have now cured cancer six, seven, eight hundred times in a Petri dish and they don't always translate. So they're a great starting tool. 
but it's really those clinical trials and the real-world evidence we need to base proper decisions. And after administering nearly 2 billion doses of vaccine, we simply do not see those problems in the real world. Uh, I'm glad you, you, that's a perfect way to address all that because that's, uh, you know, people get that misinformation and then they start to buy into it because you see it in enough places. So thank you for that. Uh, let's talk about this. Another texter talking about this Delta variant. And they want to know what sort of mutation it is that makes this one so much more serious. So this is a, a combination of actually a number of mutations. These are things that, that we previously may have referred to as a double mutant. Or, and really what this is, is it's a variant that continues to change and picks up new mutations and becomes yet another new variant. And this is unfortunately the natural life of a virus. This is expected. And what's happening in these particular cases is we're getting small changes to the protein on the virus that sticks to our body. So by changing that, it can change how well it enters our cells, how well it infects us, and the disease it can cause. But because that's also the protein targeted by our vaccines, it allows some of these viruses to escape a little bit. So as we said earlier, what we're seeing is you know, reduced protection from one dose, but by the time you get your second shot, your booster, that protection shoots back up to over 80% again, even against Delta. So the vaccines are still very effective, but the key here is to get people fully vaccinated. One dose is not quite as protective as two doses in this case. I want, want some clarification here because I'm seeing a lot of people on social media saying as soon as I get that second shot, beware, I'm going to be hugging everybody. Uh, but is it not the case that even with your second uh, vaccine and you being fully vaccinated and you waited a couple of weeks, that even though you're protected, uh, you might be a carrier of the virus if, if, if you had it and it could affect somebody without a vaccination? Is that the case? yet is, for example, with these variants, how much spread you can do when you're fully vaccinated. So we do know the risk drops significantly. Again, 80% protection or greater against infection. So, you know, really good chances that if you're exposed, you don't even become infected. But we don't know about that 20%. Can they still spread the virus to other people? With the original strain, the, the news is really good. We actually see that fully vaccinated people do not seem to spread the virus. These variants, though, they, they again, it's something we've been dealing with in Alberta for basically the entirety of 2021. They do change the playing field. So although your personal protection's up, we have to be careful and keeping in mind that when we reach that threshold, 70% of Albertans vaccinated, that actually translates to almost 40% of Albertans who are not vaccinated because we have those groups under 12 years of age mm-hmm. that, that don't get into that percent total. So when we reopen, 40% of the province will not be vaccinated. We have to be careful not to accidentally introduce the virus to those people. Great reminder. Hey, can we ask you to hang on for a minute? For sure. We'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with Dr. Craig Janney, Associate Professor in the Department of Microbiology, Immunology, and Infectious Disease at the U of C. Dr. Jenny, get right into it right here. We have a text in the past uh, couple of minutes here. I was at a pharmacy last night. Seven people were there getting their second shot after only four weeks. Are they even protected? Was the pharmacy following the rules? So it's difficult to say because there are exemptions for, for the time depending on underlying medical conditions. And, you know, we always run that risk if we're assuming somebody's not following the rules. What we do know is, depending on the shot, you know, the, the original phase three trials for some of the mRNA vaccines were looking at the booster at three to four weeks after the primary. 
The latest recommendations, though, from NACI is to stretch that out. And that was for a couple of reasons. One is to get more first doses into Canadians. But the data coming out of the UK is actually showing that stretching that second dose out to eight to ten weeks is actually more protective. So there's a bit of an incentive not to rush. But at the same time, we do know we need those second doses. So when you are eligible, please sign up for them. Okay, uh, this text are saying apologies if it's been asked before. And it has. But it's a, a constant question. And I think we, we it, it's yeah. important we address it. So if I had this... AZ shot first, what's mm-hmm. more effective for my second one, AZ again or Pfizer or Moderna? And all things being equal, you've got the choice. What do you pick? All things being equal, you take the one that is uh, available to you when it's your turn. Uh, all three generate really good immunity afterwards. All three options have really good safety profiles. So keeping in mind, side effects for the AstraZeneca are lower on the second shot, so the risk goes down. Um, but the other two, the Moderna and Pfizer, have been demonstrated to be safe and to generate a really strong immune response, much the same way as two shots of AstraZeneca. So they're pretty much interchangeable. Take whichever one is offered. Here's one. That we've had a version of this question in the past. The texter says, I had COVID in March and got the Pfizer shot last week. Am I technically fully vaccinated now? And, and if not, how long do I wait until shot two? for shot two would be the standard protocol so waiting that that uh up to 10 weeks depending on when your availability comes up in the province mm-hmm. are you fully vaccinated that's a great question earlier in the pandemic we probably would have said yes and the u.s cdc was recommending a single shot if you had recovered from the infection but that was really before the emergence of these variants and knowing how good for example this delta variant is at dodging the vaccine i think that it's still recommended to get fully vaccinated two shots even if you've had covid and recovered if you want that protection against the variants. And again, questions uh, on this part of things. So if I've had my shot, whether it be first and or second, am I still able to get the virus and to give it to someone else? How long do I stay away from people? So you are unfortunately still able to get it, although it's extremely rare. So if we're talking about the conventional virus from 2020 or even the alpha variant, what we used to call the UK variant, you're looking at greater than 90% protection about get, uh, regarding getting infected and even higher protection about transmitting. Once again, these variants do change that a little bit, but we know that after say three weeks after your booster you've got really good protection the odds go down dramatically especially if you're socializing with other people that are fully vaccinated done it again <laughs> uh, a million questions in uh, two quick segments thank you so much for your time dr you're Jim. welcome both take care you too that is dr craig Janney, associate professor department of microbiology immunology and infectious diseases at the university of calgary As Alberta heads toward easing more restrictions tomorrow, that sounds good saying tomorrow. Many service uh, industry businesses are gearing up for a busier time, but some are finding it hard to get the staff to make sure they can provide for the increased demand. In fact, a recent survey by the Canadian Federation of Independent Business found that more than one third of Alberta's small to medium sized companies are concerned about their staffing levels. With more on this and all things hospitality related ahead of the reopening, we're joined by Ernie Sue, a board member of the Alberta Hospitality Association and owner of Trolley 5. Good morning to you, Ernie. Good morning to you guys. Thank you for taking the time, and I know it's probably a very busy time for you. Over the next 24 hours, things changing up. So what are you hearing about rehiring for those in the hospitality business? Are you hearing some people are finding challenges? Well, it's been, it's been a little bit challenging for sure. Everybody's got, uh, you can see that there's, 
there's been a number of ads for a whole bunch of restaurants out there and um especially the banff area the banff area is gonna is where we're you know they're really struggling to get um staff out there so do you know ernie i mean we're hearing that it's really it is a difficult process people don't want to go back to work right now and there's got to be some reasoning behind that what are you hearing well um some of the reasoning is a lot of um you know staff out there are still working off of the serb so um you know trying to get them to come off that has, has been a little bit of a challenge but uh we are starting to see you know far more applicants coming through for sure all right let's talk about the big day 24 hours as mentioned till tomorrow uh, what are your members and in perhaps you included uh doing to get ready for tomorrow as restaurants getting closer to regular business again what sort of thing, things are going on yeah, everybody's getting excited to reopen tomorrow. Um, just making sure that, because in stage two, we still have to have the PPE or the six feet between tables or plexiglass to separate. Uh, so right now, it's just making sure all the logistics are set up and, of course, making sure the staff and the scheduling is ready to roll as well. I suppose, you know, some of the the worry about people coming back to work and getting off CERB or getting off unemployment right now and going back to work is a fear of a potentially another closure, right? So are you worried about that, Ernie? Do you have concerns that we could see another closure down the road just in case numbers spike again? Well, we, we always have to be concerned about another closure. I mean, it's been four now in the last 14 months. You know, we're working closely with the government right now to make sure that they're um, they're putting the work in now to, you know, to give us some type of runway as to what might happen down the road. You know, we're thinking about fall, right, October, November, if if there's any kind of um, another resurgence of, you know, the pandemic. Ernie, if you can explain, you know, these not only these closures, but this uh, next easing that it takes place tomorrow and i think that from a customer perspective i sit down i i want to get a, dra- a draft beer and a huge plate of nachos that's mm. great that's what i see but from your perspective um you know we don't know how many people you'll have the restrictions eased big time as of tomorrow but you don't know how many people are coming out so uh, you can talk about the trials and tribulations of ordering enough food when you don't know exactly what to expect oh well, we've been fortunate we've been we've been fortunate we've you know a lot of restaurants are are you know, have the reservation sites rolling right now for inside. So that does give you an indication of how many guests are coming. Um, right now, it looks like, you know, a lot of the restaurants are going to be quite busy tomorrow on the first day. So in terms of inventories, um, you know, our the food suppliers have been very good with all the restaurants at, uh, you know, being able to adjust to the inventories needed. Ernie, what does it look like come tomorrow? Should this announcement come and we open up for stage two, what are we allowed to do when we now want to go to restaurants? So now restaurants are allowed to take up to a table of six that do not have to be from the same family, household, or cohort. Um, The same PPE restrictions will still be in place. Masks must be worn when moving throughout the restaurant. And as far as we know, it will be last call at 10 o'clock with restaurants closing at 11 o'clock. Uh, uh, 12 o'clock, sorry. Last call at 11 o'clock, restaurants closing at 12 o'clock. And again, that is six people patio or inside the restaurant. Yeah, everybody's pumped for that. That's yeah, huge. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you're expecting, uh, you know, the summer, I mean, fingers crossed that we go off without a hitch, but uh, can you feel an excitement among your members and, and even among your own staff at Trolley 5? Yeah, every, everybody's excited to get back to work. Um, 
you know, but the excitement is is more for if we can get everybody to get that that first shot to get to the 70% mark of getting back to regular normal business. Well, let's hope it comes soon, but uh, tomorrow we're all anticipating a great announcement, stage two, that we'll be able to get back to the restaurants and help support uh, local, get you know people back to work, eat some great food and really have some fun and get things moving in the city again. Thanks so much for joining us, Ernie. Thanks so much to you guys. Appreciate it. That is Ernie Sue, who is a board member of the Alberta Hospitality Association and owner of Trolley 5. So tomorrow is a big day, really, for all of us. It's that next step of moving forward. But boy, it really will start to help restaurants, the hospitality industry as a whole, get back. Well, it's good to hear from Ernie that it looks like it's going to be busy because, you know, as I was mentioning and I asked Ernie the question... Just because we can doesn't mean everybody is going to at this point. So I would think it's a bit of a juggling act. But to that, uh, to the point in having Ernie Sue on, who is very much entrenched in the local hospitality industry, we uh, had a meeting at, in preparation for today's. Well, we do, just in case you wonder, we do prep mornings with Sue and Andy. <laughs> we we're having a conversation with uh, executive producer Mike Tarasco and, 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 and yourself, Sue. And it was interesting because we talked about the trouble finding people. Yeah. Then on social media yesterday alone, within an hour that... I saw like Caesar Steakhouse saying we need some front of house staff, mm-hmm. I believe. Modern Steak saying we need some more employees. So, man, it is on. It you, is certainly on. You can understand the worry, though. I mean, if I'm a server or a front, you know, a, a greeter, I, I don't work in that industry. I probably am yeah. missing the terminology. But, you know, if, if, I'm, if I work in that world and I have forever and I've, you know, what, how many times now have you been put back, whether it's on Ernie said four in 14 months. Or on to, you know, you've, you've applied for unemployment because you've lost your job so many times. You would be worried to, okay, I'm going to cancel that. I'm going back to work. What if now down the road, yeah. you know, two weeks from now, just say, I, I'm hoping it doesn't happen. Fingers crossed it doesn't. But what if, okay, well now we got to put a halt on things. We got to close down again for a small amount of time and you're going to have to reapply. You've lost the benefits. Do, are you, you know, in that time, do, what if they stop the CERB program? Yep. You know, there are so many fears about and it. You can understand why people aren't jumping at it. And not just the CERB or some of these assistance programs. Maybe you left your industry. Maybe your, your passion and your specialty is hospitality and restaurants. Mm-hmm. You've got another job maybe in retail that has hasn't been shut down, and but you're afraid to, to, to make that leap back because you're going to be burned. You so, don't have childcare set up. You've point. got to worry about that and organize that and pay for that. There are a whole lot of things to it, and you can understand why people are, there's, there's concern for sure. Yeah, there's probably cautious optimism at this point yeah. from the industry insiders for sure. Gold medal winning Olympian, Olympic gymnast Kyle Schufeld has written a book called Making It Happen, which touches on his Olympic journey, bullying, coaching, and getting kids moving, and plus uh, many more topics that are near and dear to his heart. Joining us now to talk about his first book is our hometown hero himself, Kyle Schufeld. Good morning to you, Kyle. Good morning, Andrew and Sue. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, let's start with the title of the book, because from what I understand, the words are very personal to you, making it happen. Can you explain? Yes. So as I headed onto the floor to compete in the 2004 Olympic Games, make it happen was my grounding words. That's what made me feel present in that moment and focused and and ready to let go of all that hard work and just let the routine flow. So when I was actually writing the book, originally it was called Stretching the Limits. (laughs) But then my editor was like, you need to call this book Make It Happen. And so the name changed. I mean, you know, when it speaks to you and it's that personal and then it it opens everything up it makes perfect sense so talk to us i mean you obviously you won gold at that olympics so it was huge for you it worked for you how how do your life lessons do you think kyle translate for the rest of us to learn from 
Well, I think this book has, it's a little cliche, but it does have something for everyone. I really love this book for coaches, for athletes, and for parents, and for people who are leaders in their communities. I've had a lot of time to reflect on my career. You know, I retired 10 years ago, and these are like, this is a compilation of the most important lessons. As the dust settled on my career, I really, there's moments that stood out to me, and conversations, and people that made the biggest impact, and that's what this book is about. This is about the difference makers, and this is about the greatest lessons that I learned throughout my sporting career. You know, we're all in the pandemic, and, and you're no different than the rest of us. You're an Olympian, and, and everybody knows you, but I'm sure it's had an effect on you. What is what has COVID and the pandemic taught you? Oh, my gosh. I, f- I feel like I've been in a free fall for the past year, mm. as, as I think everyone has. I'm the type of person that likes certainty and security. That's how I move forward. That's why my Olympic gold pulled me along. Um, this pandemic has taught me that things can change in an instant, and you need to try to have a positive attitude. You have to fight for the things that are right, and you have to trust that everything will work out. You know, it's been a challenging time. I certainly haven't agreed with every decision this government has made in terms of youth sport, but I am really happy and optimistic that, you know, things are moving forward in a positive direction and we can get kids moving again. And that's really your goal, isn't it? That, you know, you teach these classes, you teach these kids right here in our very own city. You have stayed here despite all your success. So is that is that important to you to be here at home and teaching these kids the, the lessons that you've learned over time? I love Calgary. Calgary has been so supportive of me. It's I've been born and raised here, and I want to raise my family here as well. And I have opened a business, and this is where I want to leave my biggest legacy. I love Calgary. It is an Olympic city, and um, I certainly feel a great sense of purpose in trying to make this city even better. When you put your thoughts and your story, your pen to paper, and, and you're sharing that, you've, you've got to dig deep. So I'm wondering, mm-hmm. uh, what would an adult Kyle Schufeld tell a young Kyle Schufeld? The biggest thing that I reflected on, in, in especially in writing this book, is that success isn't just about winning gold medals. Success is a feeling that you get inside. And reflecting on my performance at the 2000 Olympics, 2004, 2008 Olympics, it's like, I don't remember the medals or standing on the podium. I remember that moment right after I finished my routine and that inner feeling of success and that great feeling of satisfaction. And so I want to encourage all young people who are approaching their careers in sports or in performance or wherever they have their goals. It's, it's an internal feeling that you want to look for. It's not about the medals. It's not about the trophies and the awards and accolades. It's a feeling inside of inner satisfaction and knowing that you did everything you could to give yourself the best chance of having success. Great advice, that and more in your new book, Make It Happen. We'll send people to your website, kyleshufelt.com slash book. And I know you're autographing some of the copies and people can order them through your website. Thank you so much for joining us, Kyle. Much success. Absolutely. Thanks so much for your great support. Appreciate it. That's Kyle Schufeld, Calgarian, Olympic gymnast, author, and instructor. He does it all. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.